0: Alright, so if you were here last week, you know that we read through that story for most of our time together, and so today we're going to begin talking about it in two different messages. Um, today is the first one, and then next week will be the second one, on what should we learn from the story of God and Joseph, okay? And so you guys, if you remember from last week, we saw this pattern in Joseph's life where Joseph, God is with Joseph in the beginning, gives him these dreams, And then Joseph is sold into slavery, and it tells us that God was with him in Egypt, right? And God makes everything succeed in his hand under Potiphar. And then he's sent to prison, and yet God was with him in prison. And he makes everything succeed under his hand in prison. And then he's sent to the Pharaoh, and God's with him before Pharaoh. And he makes everything succeed under Pharaoh. So it's a story of how Joseph is faithful, and God is orchestrating all these seemingly bad events in order to bring about good in the life of Joseph. Well, today we're going to be asking a question, and it gets, this passage gets at that question. So briefly look at this with me, Genesis 45. It says, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. What do you think when you read that? Here Joseph looks back on his life, which we see in Genesis takes like 13, 14 chapters to tell. He looks back on his life and he says, God meant all of this to happen. God was in charge of everything that took place. From me being dad's favorite to getting that coat, to the day that he sent me to come check up on you guys, to the day that I found that guy who told me where you were when I couldn't find you, And then I showed up, and what did you do? You threw me in a pit. You sold me to slave traders. God was in control of the fact that I got sold to Potiphar. God was in control of the fact that Potiphar's wife had the hots for me and then uh, accused me and sent me to prison. God was in control of the fact that I was forgotten for two years in prison, even after I interpreted the dreams. God was in control of the fact that I was able to interpret dreams and that God was the one who put me in front of Pharaoh and who made Pharaoh put me in charge Joseph is saying looking back on my life God was in charge of all of it so it brings us to a really big question which is this has God really determined everything I will do has he really determined everything that's going to happen to me has he really determined everything from the weather outside, to who wins the next presidential election, to me sleeping in past my alarm this morning—true story. To yeah, to paper cuts and pimples. Does God really control it all? And if so, what does this mean about how we should live our lives? So today we're going to be talking about the topic of God's providence. If you were going to look in like a dictionary or a theology book, you would look up God's providence. And that's what we'd be talking about, is God in control of everything. And so, I want to talk about, first of all, two ways that most people answer this question, okay? The first way that most people answer this question is they think about my own experience in life. What does life feel like for me? If you were to ask people if they thought that everything they've done so far today, or this month, or this year, or their whole life, if you were to ask someone, do you think every single second has been planned out by God, my my guess is that most people would say no. Because it sure doesn't feel like it, right? It doesn't really feel like everything I do is predestined to happen, it's determined to happen. So, for example, if I said, let's see here, Ryan, you play some piano, right? Okay, you can bang out a tune on the piano. If I said, Ryan, would you mind getting up and playing us some piano? Just one little song. Before you do it, as you sit there, considering that question, do you feel strongly compelled in one way or the other? Or do you kind of feel like, I could if you want, or I can kind of just stay here if I don't feel like playing, or... Or do, you feel like, do you feel like it's been predetermined from the beginning of time? Whether or not you would get up and play us a tune? Not really, right? We don't really feel that way, do we? Because when we think about all of our actions and everything that we do being predetermined by God, it sounds kind of robotic, right? Like there's a script that's been written for us, and we can't deviate from it. Have you guys ever heard of the movie... Uh, Um, Stranger Than Fiction, right? This guy is living his life. And at the same time, there's an author who's writing a story. And it turns out that the guy living his life is actually the main character in the story. And everything she writes happens to him. And things start getting kind of weird, right? Because it it starts to happen that he, he can't really do what he wants to do. And when he tries to go off script, things don't really work as much. And so, yeah. Does our life feel that way? Do we feel like, oh, I really just wanted to do this, but there's something that compels me and I can't do it? No, we don't feel that way. We feel like we really have freedom, don't we? And we really feel like when we wake up in the morning and we look in the cereal pantry, we could have, you know, one cereal or the other. It doesn't feel like, I really wanted that cereal, but my hand keeps going to this one because we don't feel that way. We feel like we're in control. So we may not feel feel like everything is determined by God. And that's where a lot of people come off saying, I really don't think that God determines every single thing that we do. And I'm not just talking about people who don't read their Bible, okay? There's a lot of Christians who would say that God doesn't predetermine every single thing that we do. Our church believes differently. We believe that the Bible says differently. That's why we believe differently. We're not just trying to be different for different sake, okay? We're trying to do what the Bible says, okay? So... The other way you could answer the question is you could say, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about whether or not God is really in control and determines everything that's going to happen to me? Well, let's start by looking at a couple of things in the Bible. Let's see here. I think I've skipped a... Oh, yeah. There's one more thing before we get to the Bible. Before we get to the Bible, we also may feel like saying God determines everything isn't fair. It just doesn't sound fair. And the logic goes like this. If God really determines everything that I'm going to do, and I go and I do something wrong, and then God sends me to hell for it, well, that sure doesn't seem fair. Because God's the one who determined I was going to do it. So how can he hold me accountable for my actions if he's really the one making me do those actions? Does that make sense to you? Logically, that sure doesn't sound fair that God would do that to us. Okay, so given the choice between a God who determines everything I do and a choice between a God who lets me choose whatever I do, it sure seems like the one who's more loving and gracious is the one who lets me determine what I do and then I get the consequences. Okay, so the problem with this is that this whole way of thinking is based on our own human logic and our own human experience. It's trying to come to a conclusion based simply on what makes sense to me. And at no point have we asked, well, what does God say about this? So let's ask that question. What does God say about this? What does the Bible say about God deciding what happens in our lives? Well, we could start with Joseph, right? Joseph says, God sent me to Egypt. God made me Lord of Egypt in order to save you. He believed that God was the one who determined what had happened to him. And there was a lot of bad stuff that happened to him, wasn't there? So when Joseph looks back on his life and sees favoritism from his father, sees being thrown into a pit, being sold as a slave, being falsely accused, being thrown into prison, being forgotten by the prisoners that he helped, he's able to look back and say, God had a plan in all of this. God's the one who is carrying this out. Well, we see it in other places in the Bible too. So for example, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. What this is talking about is back in the Old Testament, you guys are going to really wish you lived in the Old Testament maybe because of this. They actually had dice that determined God's will. They were called umim and thumim. Or or Th- I can't remember what they're called. Something like that. And the priests carried the dice. And when they really were in a tough spot and they had to make a decision, they rolled the dice. And however the dice rolled out, that's what they did. They believed that it was God's will. How many of you would like one of those dice? Yeah. Kind of nice, right? Also incredibly terrifying. We, we call them magic eight balls right now. Do those exist anymore? Does okay. they still exist? No. Shake the ball and get your answer. You don't like the answer, you shake it again, you get a different <laughs> answer. Right? So this is saying that in Proverbs 16.33, the dice are rolled in the lap, right? You roll the dice, but the decision is from the Lord. Now, what is this telling us? It's telling us that even the most random of events are controlled by God. That God controls even the most random of events. In Matthew, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. What this tells us is that things that seem so insignificant, like two sparrows cost a penny back then, Something so cheap and inexpensive, sparrows are everywhere. I mean, they run into windows. You see it on the floor every once in a while, you know. You don't think much of it. It doesn't, you know, go into your big scheme of life. But even that happens without God, doesn't happen without God knowing. God watches over the sparrows. He cares for the sparrows. So he's in control of all that's going around us. There's more. Psalm 104.14 says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the east. So God is in control even of what we would consider to be just normal natural events. Grass grows. You water it and it grows, right? Except in my yard. Um, for most people, I'm learning how to grow grass. I didn't know before. This is the first time I've had grass that I had to care about. It. Um, but yeah, God is in control of even the smallest details of causing nature to continue to function as he made it. And then we see in Psalm 139, he says, You saw my unformed substance. When were you an unformed substance? Before you were even conceived. Before you were even thought of. Before you, you could argue in scientific terms, before you existed. So before you existed, God saw you. In your book, in God's book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. So in other words, before you even were thought of, God knew your days. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was planned out for you. So we look at scripture, and would you say it's fairly clear that scripture tells us that God is in control, and he knows what our destiny is, what's going to happen to us. Okay, So remember, this poses a problem for us, right? It makes us robots, is what people would say. And it makes God unfair. Because if we don't really have the freedom to do whatever we want, to choose between good and evil, to choose between right and wrong, then what right does God have to punish us or reward us based on our choices? Do you see the tension there? Do you feel the tension there? So we have to look at the Bible and say, does the Bible give us any sort of answer to this? And it does. When we look at the Bible, here's what we see. Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 20 says this. See, this is God speaking. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. And he doesn't say, therefore, whatever I determined is going to happen. He says, therefore, choose life. That's really interesting. God's determined all our days, and yet God tells us, choose life. And then we get to Jesus in Mark where it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now why would God call us to make real choices if we were just robots? This would be pretty sick and twisted if we really couldn't do this, right? If God said, Choose life. But really, you have no choice. I've already decided what you're going to choose. Or repent and believe in me. But really, only those that I've chosen are really going to do that. So don't worry about it. It'd be kind of sick and twisted if we couldn't actually choose life. If we couldn't actually repent and believe. So what I see in these verses is that we must be able to really repent. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have come with a message of repent and believe the gospel. We must really be able to do something where we choose life or death. And so when people think about God's providence and our freedom, they usually think of either or terms. They would say either God has determined everything so that I can't be held accountable for what I do or God has not determined everything, therefore I can be held accountable for what I do and I really do have choices. But the problem is that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say either or. The Bible says both and. So the Bible tells us God has determined everything that you will do and you can make real choices that will really lead to eternal life or eternal death. And at the end of the day, God knows exactly what your choices will be. that's something that we call a paradox. Okay? It's a paradox. To our human minds, to logic, the way we reason, it just doesn't make sense that both of those could be true. But we must understand that what is true is not what I can logically reason to be true, but what scripture tells me to be true. So this is a hard moment in the life of a Christian where they have to decide what really is true. And you're going to find that as you go throughout life and as you interact with people in your high schools, the most fundamental question you can ask somebody is this. What do you believe is true? And where does truth come from? You can debate all you want about whether God is real whether or not Jesus died up for your sins, okay, these are things that you would come across in any evangelistic conversation, but at the end of the day, what you're really talking about is where does truth come from? Does it come from what I can logically reason to be true? Does it come from what I feel like is true, which is actually where most people get their truth from? It just doesn't feel like that's right. Or does it come from something more foundational and deeper, like scripture. So I would argue this morning that it comes from scripture. Scripture is what tells us what is true. It tells us what is right. So how do we apply this to our lives? How does this help us? First of all, let's do questions. I know this is not an easy topic, but does this raise any questions in your mind that you would want to ask this morning? I've already gotten one answer. It was no. Shaking heads. Does that seem like a tough pill to swallow for me to just end like here's the facts and it's a paradox? (laughs) What if I ended every sermon that way? (laughs) You might start questioning my education, right? Because God has given us minds, hasn't he? He has made the world that we live in to be, I hope, a reasonable world where like gravity doesn't just stop working some days and the sky turns green some days. It's just a paradox. We have no explanation. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, the Olympics, the pool starts turning green, you should say, you know, right? Doesn't the Bible also say that repentance from God? Exactly. Yeah, good question. So we could really talk about this all day long, and it depends on what angle we're going to look at it from. Okay, because you're exactly right. So, well, doesn't the Bible say that we were predestined to follow God in the first place, right? Even some of the lingo that I used earlier. Uh, of this question of, well, didn't... Does God really... Um, I can't remember what I said, but but this idea that, yeah, we're predestined from beforehand. So when we're saved and we say at the end of the day, God chose me from before the beginning of the world, aren't we really saying that I had no choice, that, that God was really the one choosing me? I don't know. God says we have a choice. So that it is a... That, I mean, it's a paradox. It's completely a paradox where I can say... I remember the day when I sat down at the end of my bed and I decided to follow Jesus. And I said, I give you my life. And from here on out, you're my savior. And I can also say that I read the Bible and I look at my life and I say, there's no way I could have come to Christ if he hadn't chosen me and done the work in my heart and changed me from a heart of wickedness to longing for the righteousness that he offers me. How can you say both those things? I heard one pastor say that salvation is like a gateway, and when you look at the front of the gate, it says, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And once you walk through the gate and you turn around you look at the back, it says, predestined from the beginning of time. Kind of a paradox, right? How can God say, everybody come and follow me, but at the end of the day, he chose us to follow him. And does this raise question, any more questions? Is that helpful? Is that help to kind of see? This is, and we're trying to look at what does the Bible tell us, not what logically just makes sense to me. Does that help what you said? Does that speak to what you said a little bit? You can flesh it out some more if you want. No, oh, okay. All right. Well, let's look at, yeah, Dan. Uh, quick observation that helps me is uh, understanding of the words, we've got to determine what we're going to do. I think a little more at least already figured out, so we've got to speak to people what we're going to choose, rather than saying determine means that he's decided for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically what you've said all the yeah. 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 Has he decided for us? Well, in a sense, he's called us to make that decision, right? right. And we have chosen our fate. In another sense, yeah, he's decided that he knows who's going to be saved and who's not. So, yeah, it's, it's tough, for sure. All right, well, let's talk about how this should affect the way that we live our lives, okay? So, really two applications, a don't and a do. This doesn't mean that we should live fatalistic lives. So this might be a new vocabulary word for you, okay? Fatalistic. Fatalistic is this idea that nothing I do matters because everything is already determined by God. Okay, so you might think, what would a fatalistic life look like? Well, you could say, why should I even try to be good? If my fate is already determined, I'm just going to do whatever I want and see where I end up at the end. See how that's kind of, I don't care what's going to happen? Or you might conclude, why should I pray? If God's already decided what's going to happen in the future, what difference is my prayer going to make? There's no point in praying. Or you might say, why would I even go about sharing the gospel? It's uncomfortable. Makes me feel nervous. God already knows who's going to be saved, so why would I go and try to save other people? All of those are examples of living a fatalistic lifestyle where you just say, it's already in God's control. What do I need to do? But again, we look back at Scripture, and here's what we see we see that God tells Isaiah to go tell King Hezekiah that he is going to die. And King Hezekiah asks Isaiah to pray for him. And Isaiah does. And God comes back and tells Hezekiah that he's going to give him 15 more years to live. Huh. What would have happened if Isaiah didn't pray? What would have happened if Isaiah said, it's already determined, there's no need for me to do what I need going to do here or what about sharing the gospel why would Jesus tell us to go out and share the gospel if it really made no difference or think about the person who led you to Christ if that person said I don't feel like doing this anymore it's already all decided in the end okay Trevor's story right runs into Pastor John Schlenker out on the river walk right what if Schlenker was, yeah, you're not going to worry about this. God's got it all under control. Trevor goes about his life, never runs into John Schlenker. You just start thinking, what does that mean? What implications does that have? Well, the reality is God tells us everything's determined, but he also tells us, go out and evangelize. Ask me whatever you need. And so we have to do what the Bible tells us. So don't live a fatalistic lifestyle, but do live a life committed to trusting and following God. So remember, God says, I have laid before you this choice, life and good, death and evil. Therefore, choose life. God really has given each one of you a real choice, a choice that will lead to life or death, eternal life or eternal death. Therefore, choose life. Go forward in your life knowing that your choices really do affect eternity. They will change where you are and affect where you are forever. And after you make that decision to follow God, after you make that decision to give him your heart, you look back and you say, thank you, God, that you chose me as one of your followers. Thank you that you determined that I could follow you. So there's two ways that we can apply this as we move on. Now, there's a big question that we've left hanging out there, and that's the question we're going to talk about next week. Okay? It's this question. If God is in control, why does he let bad things happen to me? And that's even more the question in the story of Joseph, right? Joseph sees all these bad things happen, and he says, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. So that's kind of a preview of what we're going to uh, talk about this next week. And so in light of that preview and bad things happening to us, um, I do want to talk briefly about school starting this week. Um, That's a joke. Uh School's a good thing. Um, But I want to pray for you guys going into the school year, okay? Um, I think that I know that this is probably my least favorite time of year most of my life. My birthday is August 21st, which is next Friday. And there were many school years where my birthday fell on the first day of school. And I hated my birthday with a passion. (laughs) Um, It's a time of anxiety It's a time of new transitions. It's a time of wanting to reinvent yourself, being tempted to go into an environment and say, this year I'm going to be different. And usually we aren't thinking I'm going to be more evangelistic and I'm going to be a better Christian. It's more like I'm going to be more popular. I'm going to wear cooler clothes. I'm going to hang out with the right people. I'm going to get on the sports team. And there's all sorts of temptations at the beginning of the school year to change who you are, to be dissatisfied with who you are, um, and also just the temptation for anxiety and just worrying about a new year and what new things bring. And it takes a little while for us to kind of get into the groove of things, get used to waking up, get used to going back to class, um, make new friends, find a group, all that stuff. That's heavy stuff. So I don't want to go forward from today just like, just another normal week, see you next Sunday, because it's not, right? It's not a normal week. It's a big, big, big week, okay? So let me go ahead and pray for you guys, and then we'll close with that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each student here, and God, that you know them, that you know their uh, worries, that you know their anxieties, that you know what is uh, just keeping them awake at night. You know what they are looking forward to, and you know what they're not looking forward to. And so, Father, I pray that as we go into this new school year, that you would be with them, that they would know your presence with them, that they would know that you go before them, that you are preparing a place for them, even in a hostile environment, an environment that doesn't love Christ. Pray that you would help them to, um, as they think about the temptations to reinvent themselves, the temptations to be what maybe you haven't made them to be, that, Lord, their heart's desire would be be who you want them to be, that their heart's desire would be to serve you with the gifts that you've given them, to be a light in a dark place. And, Father, I just pray that you will provide for them um, divine appointments with kind friends, kind teachers, interactions that just remind them that they are not on their own and that you are with them, every moment of every day and i pray that you would give them uh, the grace to pursue excellence in all that they do in order to honor you not to gain glory for themselves but to be a witness for you and what you've done for them i pray this in jesus name amen all right guys hopefully i'll see you guys this wednesday or tonight back at the barbecue have a good day